0: And it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. So as, as was said in the video by some guy, that there'll be, <laughs> there'll be more opportunities like this. Um, we need to, we need to uh, really engage our community and, and communicate Christ to our community. Uh, that's the biggest need that anyone has. Above food, above a place to stay is our need for, for salvation in Christ. Um, this morning we're, we're starting off with a series, a very short series, we're going to be looking and looking forward to the coming of Christ. And this is this is, our, this is one of our biggest holidays and um, it's easy to, to get caught up in all the uh, Christmas trees and the unrelated Christmas music about all sorts of things like kissing Santa and stuff like that, those kinds of things that have nothing to do with Jesus. Um, you walk into, I remember walking into Checkers, and it's the middle of August and they already start with all the Christmas decorations. Right. I'm not one for red and green, but it's all right. But it just reminds me of how uh, the world can be so pulled into the commercial of all of that and miss Jesus completely, where we as believers, that's what we cherish. And in a year like this where uh, we've, we've, we've known more than any other year that we need Jesus, that we need hope. As we come to this special time of the year, we, we start to look forward to this time where hope entered the world. And uh, we're going to uh, first be looking at why Jesus needed to come to the world. What's the reason? Why? Um, and I want to start off by, by talking about the, the law. right? And when we think about the law, you think of all these rules and 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 many times I, I remember sayings like rules were meant to be broken." I remember sitting in grade seven thinking, "Yeah, with my ruler up in the air going like, "Yeah, rules were made to be broken, <laughs> and I'll break this fifteen centimeters each now and we have this negative connotation when it comes to rules and laws. And, and, and that's probably because our sinful nature wants to break them naturally all the time. But but rules and laws are uh, stipulations of any relationship, right? So we know, as, as, as kids, we had rules that we had to obey. Otherwise, the relationship between us and our parents for a few seconds. Uh, impacted greatly. right? I, rem- I remember uh, one of the rules was, when you go out and play, you need to come back home before dark. And many times, the sun beat me to the house, and I was beat. But these are, these, these are things like, these are the stipulations of relationships, rules, right? and they're in every relationship. At home, I know that if I wash dishes, then wonderful meals come my way. Right? There are all sorts of rules in different relationships and, and, and all these laws that God brought about was the conditions and, and the stipulations of a relationship between God and His people. And it starts off with, 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 with Adam and Eve. And what's, what, was the, what was the rule there? Don't eat of <laughs> the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And that was the rule. And they had one job, one job. And they broke the rule, right? And and we get to, to Abraham, and, and Abraham is given a promise, a promise of land, and descendants, and the descendant, the one through whom the whole world would be blessed, that all nations would be blessed through. And he was saying, follow me, leave leave your father and mother, leave the place that you know, and go to the place that I will take you, and obey me. Right? And, and, and he obeys, and, and Israel uh, goes into slavery, uh, under Egypt and they come out and, and God sends Moses to free his people and say and now I'm taking you to the Promised Land and, and you are my people but I want you, I want to differentiate you from everyone else. You are set apart. And I have these laws and these rules and these regulations and, and this is when, when, when Moses gets these laws they're now extensive with, with, with great detailed descriptions of how they're supposed to live as God's people. But as we see this, as we go through every stage of the Bible, uh, I know we've been doing our Bible reading plan. One thing that's been impressed on my mind from the very beginning until now where we are in in close to the end of the New Testament is that our God is holy and our God has perfect standards and our God is perfect. And He chooses to relate to us. But as you you look at this thing of, of the law and you see how Many times we as people just break and fall fall far short from that standard. You wonder, how could it be that this holy and perfect God would relate to us? now the the laws were there to, to, for, for relation between uh, God and his people, but also the people amongst themselves and also god 's people and the rest of the world right these 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 standards were put in place not just so God could stand and say you need to do this but he was using these things these laws to refine them it and it touched every area of life if you if you obeyed the law not only were you morally right but it also had health benefits where God was telling them what and what not to eat and he was saying I want you to be completely different from all the other nations uh, in fact at some point when when the Israelites, said to to God, we want a king, like all the other nations. It disappointed God because God says, no, I've called you to be different. I am your king. I am your Lord. But they pushed for it and God gave gave that to them. And you see the decline as they followed now, an earthly king instead of the king of kings. But Israel failed miserably at living up to God's standards. And even without the, this official law, even us as, as as mankind outside of Israel at that time, they were failing miserably as well. And it's not that God had no connection to any of them. You know, when when Israel is in slavery uh, to to Egypt, God says that He's He's giving them time to repent. He gives them four hundred years to repent. It says that God is also interacting with those people. And in Romans, it says that He's written the law on our hearts. He's given us a conscience. And even with what we know to be wrong and right, we still go over, we're pulled to the wrong more and more and more. We fall short of that standard. Even if we don't know this law here, the law that God writes on our hearts, we fall short of that as well. We know when we're doing wrong. So as Jesus enters the world, as he comes to, to, to his people, the Israelites. He's coming to a people who they feel they're doing right, but Jesus knows they're far from it. Right? They think they're doing so well. And Jesus is constantly trying to show them that the law, the law that they think they're upholding, they're, they're messing up real bad. And they're falling short of his standard. And and often, often you see. Christ getting into, into conversations and forming relationships with people who have humbled themselves and said, I am sinful, I do for short. And he, he, he bumps heads with all those who say, we're all good, we are fine. And one of, one, of, one of the places that he really clears this out for people, and I, and I can see many people, many of the religious leaders, like having, pro- like having for the first time uh, a problem as they think, I am falling short. I'm messing this up. And this is uh, in uh, Matthew 5. Uh, the Sermon on the Mountain is one of my favorite sermons. And we're going to re- be reading from the NLT if you want to follow along. Uh, the verses should come on the screen as well. We're going to go verse by verse. Um, So it says, One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down, and he began to teach them. And he says this, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Right? It says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were prosecuted in the same, persecuted in the same way. By saying this to, to them, and I've, I've always read this, and, and for the first time, it, it dawned on me that Jesus was saying all these things to show the people how far they'd fallen from God's standards. You see, they had God's laws, and, and they had extensions of this. They had, they had um, I guess, more detailed descriptions to where people were even told on the Sabbath how many steps you can walk, right? Which God actually never said, that they kind of just threw in there. Because, right? you know, we like to put things in boxes. We want them in our neat boxes. And so they think they're doing doing well, especially the religious leaders of the time. And he says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him. Other translations say poor in spirit, which is realizing that we are sinful and, and spiritually we have nothing without God, that morally we are not right without Him. But then we have the Pharisees at the time who think that they're doing fine, that, that they are completely pure, and most people think that too about them. And and you find people not necessarily going after God, but going after this standard. And let's try and live like the Pharisees say we should live and we'll be all good. It says bless, he blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And, and this talks about mourning over the sin. In the world. They're being broken over it. But when you're spending your time trying to look good for everyone else, you're not really thinking about what's, what's wrong and what's right, what's evil and what's good. You have no time to mourn over that because you're just thinking, I just need to look good for everybody. Whereas those who are really, really seeking God would, would be broken over the sins of others but, but first be broken over their own sin and be torn apart by that, and say things like what Paul said, O oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death. People who think like that. And in that time, so many people were thinking of how I can look good. It says, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And you can see that humility wasn't a big thing, because in the very next chapter, he starts off in, ver- in, in chapter 6, we're talking about how we're supposed to, to, to give and how we're supposed to pray. And what it says is, make sure you don't give so that other people see. Make sure you don't pray on the street corners, shouting loud and saying all these big fancy words so people will hear you and say, oh, this is, this is a spiritual person. So you can see that at that time, personal pride is a huge problem. And being holy and doing these things in God's name, but really doing it for themselves to boost their image, to boost their standing in society. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we already said this, most people cared about looking righteous, not necessarily Seeking righteousness and justice. It says, bless those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And as as I look at this, I think of the story of the the, the woman who got caught in adultery. And we have those who are the the leaders of the time, and they show no mercy. And they bring her before Jesus, and they say, the law says we should kill her. And Of course, Jesus says, you who has no sin, cast the first stone. And no one does. And, and so they, they go and, and, and Jesus asks, where are your accusers? And she says, they're all gone. They're not here. And she, he said, where are those who condemn you? And he says, I do not condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. He showed mercy. And Jesus says, this is what I want you to be. This is who I'm calling you to be. But that's not who Israel was. God says he, he blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they'll see God. And the leaders at the time, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs, which means tombs that are bleached on, on the top. They look really nice and shiny. They have this white stone on the outside that is pristine. He says, but on the inside, there's, there's nothing but filth and rot. So that's where the heart is. saying those who really, really whose hearts are pure... It, it would probably look the other way around. Those who are really seeking God, we had the disciples who were messing up all the time. Jesus rebuking people, calling one Satan, telling them to stop doing this, stop doing this, but their hearts were in the right place. The ones who, who look like they're messing up on the outside, but their intention and their desire is to serve God. It says, God will bless those who work for peace, they will be called children of God, and ultimate the ultimate way we make peace is by making peace with God, for ourselves and also bringing other people to God to help them get their relationship with God right. And the Israelites were actually called to be a light to the rest of the world, part of part of being um, living under these laws was being so distinct and so different from others and shining as this light to, to, to bring others uh, to, to Christ. It says when, when, when um, Muhammad, in his time uh, as, as an Arab, uh, looked around at his own people, he says that they were thieves and that they were murderers and they only cared about themselves. And he says he looked over at the Jews and the Christians And he says he loved the way that they lived, their their, their morality, their conduct, the way they they took care of one another, the way they treated people. That, that That was God's intention for Israel, that from the very beginning they would see, look at the way these people act, look at the way they live, say, whatever it is that they have, I want. That was the intention for them to bring people to peace with God. But Israel had kind of closed themselves off. If you, if you read stories like the story of um, when, the, when Jesus heals the man who is possessed by many demons, they actually go to an area that is a Gentile area. There are no Jewish people there. And the disciples are surprised with Jesus. There's another story where he speaks to the woman at the well who was a Samaritan woman. And Samaritans were Jews who had mixed with, with um, uh, other nations. And the Israelites, as as you you read about it, it's almost like the Israelites hate the Samaritans even more than the Gentiles. And they were surprised when they found Jesus speaking to this woman. In fact, the woman herself was surprised when Jesus spoke to her. Why are you speaking to me? She could hear, this is a Jew. Jew, Why is he speaking to me? Because Jesus was about bringing people to God. Bringing them to peace with God. And and then he says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing what is right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And as we read through scripture, the persecution that we see is from other nations, but it's also of the Israelites persecuting their own prophets. So Jesus is saying, you guys were the persecutors. You were the ones. All this as you read all of this and I realize more and more, all this was to tell Israel that you're missing the point, you are falling far short from God's standard. And if we look at the world around us today, we see everyone is falling short of God's standards. And if we look at our own hearts and we're honest, we can say we are falling short of God's standards. The sermon continues and he says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is this salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? No, it will, be, it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This is who Israel was called to be. And as you read through the prophets, uh, going through uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, you see prophecies to all these other nations that God is calling them to repentance as well. In fact, there's there's a story that all of us know from when we were children of a man being swallowed by a fish. His name is... Jonah, yes. But Jonah was sent out to, to, to Nineveh, who were known as um, experts at torturing people, destroyers of nations. And he sends Jonah. And Jonah runs the other way. And he doesn't do it because he's scared, right? He does it because he doesn't want to go to these people, he doesn't want them to have forgiveness, to have redemption, right? So, so Jonah, at the, at the end of chapter 3, um, has preached and it says, when God saw they had what, how, what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, because he's preached to them, he said, he's told them what God said, turn away from your wickedness and turn to me. And they actually repent. It says, when he's when he seen that they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Right? You think this is great. And then we have Jonah, right? The very next chapter. It says, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. He said, didn't I say before that I left home, uh, uh, before I left home, that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Toshish. I knew that you are merciful and compassionate, God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. He's angry. Like, this is why I ran, because I knew you were going to forgive them. Why? These people need to be destroyed, they need to be wiped out. And here you can see where Israel's heart is that they're not about being the light. They, they've taken this, this light and they've put it under the, the, that uh, lamp, lampshade. I say, let's keep it here in Israel. Let's keep it in Jerusalem. Let's keep it in Judea. Let's not go out. Even the Samaritans should even get a bit of it. This is their heart. Jonah did not want to be a light to the foreigners the way Jesus intended. Israel separated themselves from the Gentiles, separated themselves from Samaritans. And here you're seeing this, this blueprint that God had, they decided they're going the other way. So no, 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 we're going this side. And all this once again tells us that Israel were falling short of God's standards. The nations around were falling short of God's standards. But if we truly look at our own hearts, we too are falling short of God's standards. It continues in in Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus says this, Don't misunderstand why I have come, and I can see as He's sharing all of these things, people talking amongst one another and these, these uh, religious leaders saying, what is he trying to do? Is he, is he trying to, to change the laws now? Is he trying to change the Scriptures? And I can hear Jesus saying, oh, I hear you. This is what I actually came to do. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven." So Jesus now has has put a standard. He's saying, not the religious leaders because they're falling short even better than that." And I can hear as, as as them talking amongst one another and thinking about this, they realize we as Israel are falling short of God's standards. Everybody is falling short of God's standards. And as we look at our own lives, we know every day we fall short of God's standards. Jesus continues and he, he talks about a, a bunch of things. He talks about the heart, and the intention. He says that he likens uh, anger and bitterness to murder. He likens lustful thoughts to to the act of adultery. He talks about sincerity where he he, he talks about people keeping their word in marriage, saying, I'm married to this person. I'm not going to divorce them. He he talks to them about uh, uh, making oaths, saying, you don't need to do that. If your heart is right, your yes will be yes. He talks about living out, living love uh, out as you come to difficult situations and difficult people. He says well, he he makes the example of if if one of the Roman soldiers asked you to 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 carry their armor or their tunic, and you and you they were required to carry it one mile. It says take 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 it two, go above and beyond, love your enemy. And then he says, uh, again, he says, love and pray for those who persecute you. I can see them thinking to themselves, you know, every time a soldier says, I need to take his, his, his armor, I already start complaining at 200 meters, falling far short, first of all, of their standard, and then God's standard, where he says, go above and beyond, show kindness, show love above and beyond. I can see them st- uh, sitting there and, and as they're thinking and saying, we are falling short. But then Jesus puts a cherry on top of a cake. He also says, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. This clears it out. So if, if anyone had not been listening to this point, maybe they're hungry, they're thinking about food or something, uh, or or maybe there's are some who... who as Jesus was saying all of these things, they're taking them off like, yeah, I do that, I do that, I do that, I do that, I'm good here, I'm good there. Then he ends it off with this, this part of the sermon with this, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. They realize then, we are missing the standard, we're falling far short. And so it leaves it leaves all of mankind at this dilemma, what do we do? God is here, and I am here. There's no way I can get there. So every time I do something good, even though that doesn't actually push me up, and I think I'm doing all right, I drop back down again. I mess up. And even if, if, if I did one, if I sinned once, and did everything else perfectly, it doesn't pardon that sin, because that sin needs to be punished, because our God is a just God. It's a hopeless situation if you look at it. But Jesus. Romans 6 verse 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. When Jesus said, blessed are those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy, Jesus goes even beyond that. He shows mercy those who don't even want it, who are not begging for it, the ones who are not merciful. He came into the world and He fulfilled the law by living, uh, living perfectly, saying this, is, this, is, this was the design. God created us to live in perfect unity with Him, to be, uh, to be following Him perfectly, to be obsessed with doing the will of our Father. That's what, that, that was the design and that's what Jesus did. And he lived perfectly, but then he fulfilled it by dying on the cross and paying the penalty for sin. Paying this wage, what we deserve, so that we would have the free gift of eternal life. Jesus entered the world, he is hope. So as, as, as we listen to all of this, where does that leave us? What was Jesus intending as he was preaching this sermon to them? He's saying to them, you have no hope, I am your only hope. I am your redemption, I am your salvation. So for us today, that message holds true. I wanna say to anyone here who is not a believer, has not given their life to Jesus, has not realized that uh, without him we have nothing and we we are heading to destruction because of our sin. If that's you today, know that that Jesus lived a perfect life and he died and he paid the price for your sin and he offers it to you. If you will just turn away from your sin, repent and believe in him and say, God, I am going to follow you. You are my Lord. You are my savior, which means giving all of our life to him, saying that my life is no longer my own. You decide what I do. You decide how I treat people. You, you decide what every day, every minute of every day is like. You are my Lord and I will throw away everything, everything in you, in me that you hate. I'll turn away from that and make you Lord 100%. There's no better time than now. If God is speaking to you right now, don't leave today without, without giving your life to him. Affirming that Jesus, you are Lord, you're my only salvation. And if you if you have made that decision, or if you, you you need for someone to talk to you, there are many people here. I'll gladly talk to you, Sibs will talk to you. There are many people here that will gladly speak to you about this if you want to make that decision today. But what does for us believers, what what what's, what are we supposed to do with this message? Well, especially going into this time where, where we celebrate the hope of Christ, we start to celebrate now. We, we, we come in gratitude. We say, thank you, Jesus, for this hope. Thank you, Jesus, that you died and you paid the price for, for my sin. Thank you that I can have relationship with you. Thank you that you lead me daily, that you give me your spirit. Thank you, God, that you are working on me day after day, making me more like you. Thank you that someday I get to see you face-to-face, though I don't deserve it. You give me this reward, reward I can't even dream of, that someday there'll be no, no, no tears, no suffering, no pain, no death, that we'll have bodies that, don't, that aren't creaking here and there, that, that aren't aging, that we don't have aching bones, that there's no sickness, nothing but joy and seeing our Father face to face. And then also proclaiming that hope. Like as we celebrate that and as, and as we uh, truly submit to that and, and, and worship God and remind ourselves of who He is, that we worship so much, that, that we would think on this so much, that we can't help but share it with other people. Not to say that it's easy, it's not. But if God has really changed us, part of of it is going out and sharing this hope. This is a perfect time. We can get into conversations about Christmas, you can just ask, hey, what do you think Christmas is about? And there's a conversation starter, and you can share your hope. Let's not waste this this time, It's, it's, it's a time of opportunity, especially this year. This year that has been such a hard year for so many people, where we hold perfect hope, why would we not share it? So as believers, let's do that, but let's spend some time now uh, thanking God, thanking Jesus that that He stepped down um, from heaven, that Him who who is God Himself made Himself into the likeness of a man, lived a a life not one of wealth but one of, of, of poverty and then died on the cross for us. Let's, let's celebrate that hope, um, spend some time praying, and uh, then we'll start uh, worshiping. We can stand together and worship together. This is Rico Aveka, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.